Hi, I'm Tiffany. And I'm Rihanna, and welcome or welcome back to Fresh Off the Broke. Fresh Off the Broke is about personal experiences growing up Asian American in a predominantly white community, Asian media, and Asian pop culture in general. Race has always been a sensitive topic. Every day, there are debates over race. With our podcast, we intend to shed light on the experiences of first-generation Asian immigrants, not put them on a pedestal. We understand that race isn't everything, but there should be an acknowledgement of people of color, the knowledge gap, and the racial divide that will ideally be broken. Now that that's out of the way, let's get into the episode. Today's topic is Asian tutoring. This episode is pretty straightforward. Um, school is coming up pretty soon if you are in school. Mm-hmm. We know or that- if you're, you're in summer school. Mm-hmm. So technically school has always been up. <laughs> yeah. So it's a stressful time of year. And uh, that might be accompanied with tutoring on mm-hmm. top of that. Studying to prepare for the upcoming school year. Mm. Or just extracurricular. Well, would it count as extracurricular if you're already at? I guess it would. But uh, this episode, Asian Tutoring, we're basically just talking about the shared experience experience among a lot of Asians growing up in mm. Asia in and out of Asia mm. of having be forced to take for instance like math class or whatever other tutoring but I would say the the one that comes to mind first is usually math right yeah, math. Mm-hmm. And then the other ones we'll talk about. And before we get into the episode, we wanted to acknowledge that this episode is at 88. Happy mm-hmm. episode 88. Why mm-hmm. is that worth mentioning? Well, because 88 and the number 8 in general is considered uh, a lucky number. In Chinese culture, eight, ba or bat sounds like fa or fat, uh, as in like fa chai, fa choi, uh, to make make fortune, make a fortune. Mm-hmm. And so Chinese people, they really like the number eight, amongst other numbers, of course, because it represents good fortune. And so we hope that <laughs> this episode can bring good fortune to us all. Mm. I think we all could appreciate some fortune, right? Yes, we could. Right now, mm-hmm. <laughs> we definitely could. Yeah, I could. I could use. I could use some eight. <laughs> Let us know in the comments if eight means anything in your culture, mm. or if it means nothing. You know, no one barred from participating. <laughs> to jump right into it, some of you may be wondering, what is Asian tutoring? So specifically, what we mean by Asian tutoring, technically there is no difference between regular tutoring in some aspects. So we mean um, maybe your area has a specific like homework helper 
thing or program um in Canada we have Kumon something called Kumon um you also could just have private tutoring in general whether that be by a specific company or maybe by just a person a family friend um a connection that your parents may have had these are extra lessons after school and in terms of Asian tutoring, this is typically going to be tutoring for curriculum that you are learning currently in school or curriculum that is coming up ahead in school. So it's preparing you for the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Asian tutoring, the reason why we are referring to it as Asian tutoring is because this is a very, very common experience. It is a shared experience experience amongst both I'd say both Asians in you know the Asian diaspora and Asians mainland yeah mainland Asian yes it is a very very common thing because as you may know and as we've said time and time again on this podcast Asian culture has a heavy emphasis on education and study mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially in Chinese culture, with all the idioms and proverbs and stuff, we we have a we have a lot of sayings. There's one uh that I I think is engraved in a lot of kids' minds is um nu li xue xi tian tian xiang xiang um. Which um like uh basically means like you work hard to study and well that's funny the uh direct English translation that people usually use I I don't it's it's kind of funny because it doesn't make sense but it's something like study hard every day 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 up like <laughs> mm. uh, you're <laughs> but the whole point is that you know like you work hard and study every day. And I guess upgrade or level up or like you move up every day. I see. And um, that's a saying that's engraved in a lot of uh, a lot of Chinese kids' minds. And I think I think there's more too, but that's the only one that comes to mind right now. Hmm. And I mean, even when when it comes to Chinese New Year or I mean Lunar New Year. Chinese people when they give the red pockets and they have all the things they say they say like oh I wish you good fortune good health uh, blah blah uh, there's always there's always something about your education improving mm-hmm. or your grades or something like that mm-hmm. and so it's something that's always thought about mm-hmm. do you guys have anything um, we don't have specific sayings like that, but it's just one of those things that's emphasized. Mm-hmm. We've kind of already touched upon the the main aspects, but the difference between Asian and Western tutoring is that Asian tutoring is almost like a standard that everyone upholds. Uh, as I said earlier, you are typically either being tutored on things that you're currently learning or things that are coming up ahead. So it gets you ahead of what you're learning in school. 
for Western tutoring, the idea is that it's more for extra help if you're mm-hmm. struggling with something. Mm-hmm. Um, again, the main difference that we've kind of assumed to be is that it's because of the culture, cultural emphasis on the importance of education. So, you know, Asians typically want to be more on top of their schoolwork. Um, they want to be ahead for the future. While mm-hmm. in Western culture, education, not that it isn't emphasized, but it's not as big of a life like goal that people have. Um, so tutoring is more like, I think if you heard someone in school being like, oh, I have a tutor, you kind of assume like, oh, this person needs extra help. Yeah, for sure. Not to say that there aren't students who, you know, would say that they have a tutor and it's clear that it's just because they need to be ahead or they want to be ahead. That's definitely mm-hmm. a thing mm-hmm. here too. It's just that. Yeah, some people just want one-on-one, more one-on-one yeah. time. Because, yeah. Especially with like public school. Oh yeah, for sure. The state of public school right now is not great. Um. however yeah like in Asia or with Asian students tutoring you can assume it's more just for you know keeping yourself up to speed or being ahead here I think I've heard multiple times like if there's a a student who gets tutoring even when I got tutoring I'll get into this more when we talk about our own experiences but I used to hear like why are you in tutoring? You don't need any help. Mm-hmm. That's the mindset in the West. Mm-hmm. Oh, and um, this is also reflective of like just Asian culture and getting extra lessons in general. Like, for example, think piano lessons, violin. Even if the kid doesn't want to do it, <laughs> most of the time they don't do it. like they are still put in these extra lessons mm-hmm. again it's one of those like just cultural standards or cultural norms here I think it's it's easier to see kids in extra lessons that are like piano or violin or maybe art lessons or something because that's more of like a personal interest so there's more of that emphasis on like the individual yeah individualist aspects of culture however not as much for education Mm -hmm. in the west and i mean with asian tutoring and after school classes especially excuse me in in mainland asia from what i know through friends or from relatives sometimes it's not even seen as getting ahead it's just what you need it's almost it's almost seen as just another class or just another Mm -hmm. it's sometimes not being ahead of the game but just following the game Mm mm-hmm because since everyone's doing it, you're not getting ahead. You're just following. Yeah, you're just staying up to standard. Mm-hmm. And 
a lot of hours go into it. I mean, people, I mean, kids, like kid kids, not, not kids like, oh, 15, but I mean, like kids, they'll be getting off school at like five or later because you have school, school, and then you have your after school classes mm-hmm. and then there's like what, study hall where you're just at school studying mm-hmm. things like that and it's it's a huge it's a huge part of life and then going on to what you were saying about piano and things like that there's also it, it also seems like there's a big deal out of being a well-rounded person yeah I mean of course everyone would like well I'm not gonna generalize but you know it it would be nice to be a well-rounded person to be good at different things no one necessarily would want to be bad at everything right yeah yeah but it's it's a big deal to be doing well in school at know how to play a musical instrument for some reason mm-hmm. <laughs> be maybe even mildly athletic like play some sport mm-hmm. be i'm trying to think oh and then clubs and things like that mm-hmm. you just kind of have to be involved in everything because you have to be like this well-rounded individual, which I mean, there is some, there, that's not to say that it's only in Asia. I mean, when it comes to the whole pressure to be well-rounded, a, a, a lot of people in, let's say, America feel that pressure because hmm. of university application and you you want to you wanna stand out as this really well-rounded, skilled individual hmm. so that, colleges can see that you're super involved yeah and take charge in your life but yeah i I just felt like that side note should be recognized Hmm, for sure it's really tough how much time that takes out of your life tutoring yeah and then the the years that you spend in school it goes it goes beyond just the class you go to oh, yeah from nine to three let's mm-hmm. say or eight to whenever comment down below when what your school yeah hours were i think the earliest i ever had school was eight thirty. Hmm. Oh, um, one other thing when we were talking about the difference between how Westerners versus Asian view education, I mean, it's much more common in comparison to Asian families, especially in the diaspora, to maybe not pursue post-secondary 
So if you out of high school, you want to start working, that is more welcome here in the West uh-huh. by Westerners and by Asians. Or even if you just want to take like a break. Oh yeah, like a gap year or something. Or if you yeah. if you want to extend the time you're studying, oh my goodness. I don't think people, uh, let us know if you've experienced this or you've heard this as well. I don't think they understand the con that concept because yeah. when my uh, and here's the thing, maybe he couldn't graduate and that was why he was a fifth year. Mm-hmm. But when my neighbor's son, uh, their family's Chinese, was gonna take a fifth year in high school, everyone' immediate reaction was, "Oh, he can't graduate." Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing for when they're doing post-secondary or university. And, and they'll think, oh, why are you taking next? Oh, you can't take next year because you can't graduate? Or you can't, did you fail? Did you, Yeah. why Why are you? You automatic, there's an automatic assumption of like, oh, they just couldn't graduate and that's why. Not yeah, the, why, yeah. the idea that they made the conscious choice to stay. Yeah, because so- sometimes, maybe you're taking an extra year because you you want to space out what you're doing hmm. and sometimes you want to take an extra year because maybe you did fail a class and you want yeah. to do something about it but it's the automatic assumption it's just oh he can't graduate yeah did you, did you hear did you hear so and so and so's daughter isn't mm-hmm. isn't graduating this year, or oh my goodness! So my uh, my mom actually the other day was talking to me about this. So her coworker's daughter is was uh applying to schools this year, up uh, like universities, colleges, whatever, and she decided that she was gonna take an extra year, mm-hmm. uh, and then apply again next year. Mm. And my mom automatically assumed that, oh, maybe she didn't get in anywhere. Mm. And who knows? Maybe she didn't. I can't deny that reality. Mm-hmm. But the automatic assumption. Yeah, it's just like impossible to grasp the idea that like some people yeah. just stay in school for, or at least stay in Oh, well, she's not staying in school. She's uh, just taking... Oh, I see. Like she's, she graduated high school. Mm-hmm. She just, just decided to not... Go pursue right away. Yeah. And the thing mm-hmm. is, who knows? Maybe the reason why is because she didn't get into her first choice and she really wants to go to fir- her first choice and so she's going to try again. Or maybe maybe she really didn't get in anywhere and she's going to try again. We, don't, we I have no idea. It, that's completely possible yeah but then it's also completely possible that maybe she just wants to take a year off yeah because i mean i i know a guy that took half a year extra because some of the courses at his school uh at his university they're not offered every semester they're, oh. they're specific to fall or winter and so he couldn't take 
certain classes at oh. the time they're offering. And so he took it half a year extra to take these two remaining courses hmm. that he needed. And then he graduated. Like that that's it. It's hmm. not not that dramatic. Yeah. And sometimes maybe it is dramatic. You know, that's that's okay too. Yeah. I, I do kind of I I do wonder what what the reaction from friends and family were when he said that he was gonna take half a year off. Mm. He has a good alibi for that though. Yeah, but I I don't think they believe you when you say things like that. Oh yeah, for sure. But like you know, it is the truth. Because mm-hmm. regardless, I I it does not I matter yeah, what the yeah, truth yeah. is. However, like you know. Yeah, I didn't ask at the time, but in my head, I was thinking about I was thinking about how that might have that could have been perceived. Mm-hmm. Would have been funny. <laughs> I mean, it's not funny at all. Actually, no. <laughs> very frustrating. <laughs> Again, especially if he's telling the truth. It's funny and you know, you laugh at your own pain away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I I per- I think I personally would hate having to tell my parents that mm-hmm. for sure for whatever reason. For sure, I'm taking extra time to do anything. Knock on wood. Mm-hmm. Can you hear that, guys? Huh. <laughs> Even um, going to college or trade school or anything that's not university is looked down upon by oh, yeah. Asian families. That's true. Because, well, for one, college is automatically assumed. And it's a pretty universal thing, actually, that people assume that college is worse than university, which is not true. It's Well, isn't it in the U.S. like that's just normal because college is like it's like different. No, uh, well. The, I think Americans are just accustomed to calling post-secondary college. Oh. Yeah. That's why that's why they all say college applications. They really mean uh, university applications, but they mm-hmm. don't say, they just say college. Mm. It's, they use that term very liberally. Mm. But no, uh, going to college versus going to university is still seen as a, as a, what do you call it, a downgrade? Or it's just not not the same it's not seen as good enough mm-hmm. which can't it's just kind of sucks i mean because you're still pursuing something like education after yeah yeah and you can go to community college and still that's one thing that's also interesting i don't think i've ever heard someone call it community college here but i know they call it community college over in america mm. And I wonder why. Because mm. what do you mean by community? Is there a difference? Let's find out. Wait, wait. Community college versus college. I think there is. Let's find out. Okay. Community college. It doesn't seem to, there doesn't seem to be a difference popping up at the moment. 
from my understanding, people here, because I've heard people say community college here, but from my understanding with that, it just means that like they went to the college that's closest to them mm-hmm. versus like, because there are colleges here that, um, oh, oh, I see. Okay. Um, so community college, you can, you get an associate's degree mm-hmm. and then colleges, you could get a four-year like bachelor's degree mm-hmm. oh and then there's also diplomas like because I have a friend that went to college and uh she told me that she was given a diploma and not a degree mm. like a college diploma oh, I see I see I still don't really know what all that means I don't really know what a diploma is find out too diploma okay. versus degree what is the okay. difference a degree okay, according to indeed <laughs> oh lord a degree communicates <laughs> your reaction <laughs> not indeed should i look somewhere else no no <laughs> yeah, for anyone who doesn't know what indeed is it's a it's a, jo- a job hunting site hmm. I uh, I I've been on it many a time in my past. Yes. One of the differences is length and time. Okay, fair. Degrees last between one to four years. Diploma certificates can take a lot shorter. Okay, yes. Where's the part where you tell me? General diploma versus technical diploma. Okay, we're not looking at Indeed. This is not telling me anything. Okay, diploma versus degree. Let's let's go. Come on, someone. Okay. By the University of the People. Oh. This is a website. A degree is granted by colleges and universities to students who complete higher learning. Can be either graduate degrees, postgraduate degrees. Those are one to four years. Okay, a diploma is granted for completion of high school. There are also postgraduate diplomas from universities and colleges. These are awarded for in-depth and specific coursework that is more specialized than a certification. So diploma can be one to two years. Degree can be one to four plus years. Minimum qualification for diploma, high school, it makes sense. For a degree, high school or undergrad degree, yeah. I guess that's kind of it. There's nothing really... Nice. I feel like I didn't learn anything. (laughs) I mean, that just... But yeah, an associate's degree is a two-year degree granted by a community college, university, or technical school. Mm-hmm. That is confirmed now. Cool. <laughs> Hope everyone learned something there. We definitely did. Yeah, I definitely... Yeah, I know I did. And I know that I can't look up the difference between diploma and degree on Indeed. No offense, indeed. Going back to our own 
personal tutoring traumas, to put it lightly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think for me, my Asian tutoring experience wasn't as common. Uh, I wasn't put into a typical tutoring program. Um, it wasn't like a general help type thing. I was put into a specifically a math program. Um, and even that wasn't teaching me things that I would learn in the curriculum. It was just for my own mental math. Um, so it was it was definitely something that was applicable to what I was learning in school and it definitely did help me. However, it wasn't a direct teaching of the curriculum type thing. Um, That being said, I still did feel the whole like experience of it, like, you know, going after school slash on the weekends, spending time um, doing homework outside of school that wasn't for school. you know, your stereotypical experience with Asian tutoring. But also on top of that, this math program had competitions that we would have to go to. Okay. So there was that added level of like during competition season for this math program, like there was extra things that I had to focus on on top of homework and learning and everything. It was, you know, getting faster at what I was doing, getting more accurate, stuff like that. Yeah. So that was my tutoring experience and also just in general like oh I guess I should have mentioned this in the beginning of the episode but yeah I myself am a tutor now however full circle moment it is however um this my tutoring like I specifically chose something to tutor with that focused on students who needed that extra support so kind of like that Western idea of tutoring. Um, but it's more focused on like a generalization of areas that need extra support. So maybe areas that um, require extra funding or, you know, that area that the students are in. Um, it is a low income area type thing. Uh-huh. So my tutoring is very, very different, or my full circle moment of tutoring is very different from what I've been experiencing. Uh-huh. Um, however, that was on purpose, so. Okay. Yeah, like, I, I did not want to contribute to the whole Asian tutoring thing. <laughs> yeah, the Asian tutoring industrial complex. <laughs> yeah. I think as educators, equity is very important. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. What about you, Tiffany? What is your tutoring trauma? (laughs) So, growing up, I was not put into anything like math or piano. Mm -hmm. Uh, I want to say partially due to the fact that it wasn't a very like viable option like you can't finance finance it and Mm -hmm. then because my parents I think I mentioned this in other episodes before but I I think my my parents were a little above the idea of tutoring Mm -hmm. they they have a a very interesting 
mindset about about tutoring and it's a little it's it's a little strange uh to say the least but I mean hey I didn't have to go to math so I guess I'll take it mm-hmm. but uh so like I have said in the past my family we well not we I can speak English <laughs> we can't speak English uh my my parents can't speak English and so growing up I spoke Cantonese at home and then I started learning English when I started school and at the same time I started school aka kindergarten they put me in Chinese school to learn Mandarin and then also be literate in Chinese such as uh, reading writing and whatnot mm-hmm. and so that was basically my extra class tutoring experience mm. and I will preface that so the place that I went to was a well, like I guess you could describe it as like a, a cheaper lower quality version of what uh, other people would have went to because there, there were uh, Chinese schools in Brenton, Chinatown or whatever mm-hmm. that everyone was going to like a lot of people I knew <laughs> went to that specific place or mm-hmm. just went in Chinatown but we, we went somewhere else it was cheaper and so just to preface that mm-hmm. and so I just remember every Saturday going to Chinese school and then oh my goodness I remember when I was little I used to cry sometimes because so Chinese writing system there are two there's traditional and then simplified so traditional is traditional (laughs) and it has a lot more brush strokes because it follows the traditional original uh way of writing characters and then simplified is the modern version and i guess they call it simplified because it's just a lot more straightforward to call Mm. it that but yeah it's just modernized has fewer brush strokes still the same characters although sometimes sometimes they look quite different from each other Mm -hmm. but i digress and so my chinese school used to offer traditional uh, only traditional at the time and so when i was little like as a kid you're just like filling out those sheets where you have to write the same word over and over and over again mm. in these gridded uh, worksheets, on these gridded worksheets. And I would cry sometimes when I was little because it was just, it was hard. Mm-hmm. I, mean, <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. I, I In kid speak, it was just hard. Yeah. And so sometimes I would cry because you're you're sitting there and you can't even figure out how to write it the first time, but you have to write it 20 more times. Mm-hmm. And then after you do that, you go to the next thing, and then the next thing, and then the next thing. And you're just like, I'm six years old. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I think crying is a shared experience as well. Oh, yeah, for sure. For math and for this and that. And so that was one thing. And then I... We also had competitions. There really? were writing competitions, not free writing, more like handwriting uh-huh. competitions where you were given a, I guess a poem or something. And then you would have to write it out again. Mm. You basically just copy what is written, but you, you write it yourself. 
Mm-hmm. And then we also had speech competitions, which were also not free speech. That sounds kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Uh, let, me, let me rephrase that. So we had the speech competitions where... Uh... <laughs> so basically what happened is a group of students, they get recruited. And then there's a speech or I guess some type of spoken performance that everyone has to give. It's like, it's like a group speech thing. Mm-hmm. And so you're basically repeating it, right? It's in the mm-hmm. same way that you repeat the handwriting thing and you you say it, you perform it, and then sometimes I don't I don't know if I would equate it to spoken word, but there was there was some level of choreography, not like dance at all, but mm-hmm. You would you would say things and maybe sometimes you would like perform an action, mm. and so that was also something that I had to do. There mm. was the handwriting competition, which is a lot less strenuous and stressful because you're just given a sheet one day in class, and then you just got to do it for however long. But the speech one, you would have to go and spend extra time, and then. You would, I think, travel to some school, and then and then you would have to like dress up, not dress up in like a costume way, but you know, gotta wear all black, blah blah blah. And I think we talked about this before, actually, but the strange and annoying thing about that was, no one, it was okay. The kindergarteners always won because mm-hmm. everyone's performing the same speech. Uh-huh. And so obviously the youngest I mean maybe it's not obvious. Maybe to some people they would think the oldest group wins. Yeah. But the the young the kindergartners or the youngest group would always win mm-hmm. because they're cute and young and they're performing the same speech as everyone else. Mm-hmm. And so in, in some way that's more impressive, right? Mm-hmm. And so that was something that I was always confused by. Not because I felt like, oh, that, that should have been us. But because it just the competition didn't really make sense. Yeah, what's it's the point? Every year, it's just the same age group winning. Yeah. But yeah, I went through how many years of that? Let me count. Uh, kindergarten, two years, one, two. I I uh, did ten years of Chinese school. Mm. I did it from kindergarten to end of middle school because that was how long the program at that school ran mm. I could have done it in high school too but I felt like I didn't need to mm. and, and then you know high school is so busy yeah and so I just ended it in middle school and mm. I went back actually to volunteer not as a tutor but to volunteer I guess in their office mm. and so that was a little bit of a full circle moment mm. I, I remember <laughs> funny thing is in my last year of Chinese school, and then when I was doing volunteering, we had to help with performances. Mm. And so we, <laughs> they, they made us like perform or like dance, not dance in a professional way, but we, we had to perform with these kids and it was kind of silly, but it was also kind of fun and funny. I uh no one is seeing that video. <laughs> <laughs> but 
Yeah, I, uh, in some ways, my Asian tutoring drama is lighter just because I, I went to a pretty, so for the majority of my time at that Chinese school, because it was like a, a cheaper or like lower quality place, mm-hmm. the, it, it, it reflected, it also reflected in the quality of the education. I think a lot, some of the teachers didn't really try to teach us. Mm-hmm. And they would just kind of give you the answer for the textbook mm-hmm. the week after. But I did have some teachers that were really strict. I remember in like the third grade, and then like just like some specific grades, we had like really we had really hardcore mm-hmm. teachers. There was one; she wasn't even a full time teacher. I think she was a supply teacher. Mm-hmm. Everyone remembered her so vividly. People called her, I think, like the pink lady because she wore a lot of pink, mm-hmm. and she would. <laughs> If you've seen Harry Potter, oh my god, my voice. Excuse me, let me just take a sip of water. If you've seen or read Harry Potter, that lady was basically the equivalent of Umbridge. Ah. Yikes. She was horrifying. And she she would yell at the whole class all the time, talking, calling us ungrateful or things very very umbrage like you know mm-hmm. <laughs> and she was also wearing a lot of pink or all pinks that was definitely a trauma she was pretty scary sounds in like an unhinged i haven't thought about her in a really long time i just remembered her now <laughs> bringing up past trauma on podcast no genuinely she a safe space <laughs> she was horrifying i've never really i've never really been someone to be afraid of people per se mm-hmm. i've always so my my thing this is i guess getting a little off track but for me personally i'm not really scared of a person mm-hmm. but maybe i'm scared of what they might if i'm scared of someone it's more that maybe i'm scared of what they're capable of doing or like the amount of power so mm-hmm. for instance if i was scared of that teacher it wasn't because i, I was scared of her it was because i was mm-hmm. scared of what she might do mm-hmm. and so i generally not, not genuinely generally don't fear many <laughs> people but she was one of them i had no idea what her next move was <laughs> That sounds terrifying. What if she threw? What if she threw a pencil at you? You know. Mm. I almost want to say she probably threw something once. I I almost want to say that. I don't remember. Maybe I'm maybe I'm just that's a false memory. But I I want to say that could have happened. Mm. Sounds about right. <laughs> so that's my Asian tutoring trauma. Mm-hmm. Does Chinese school count as tutoring? It, it's an extra. Definitely does. Okay. Definitely does, in my opinion, at least. <laughs> we'll let the council decide. Because it's you know it's extra lessons, not something that just comes with regular education in the West, at least. So. Right. Yeah. 
like it would be a very foreign concept to a lot of western students i'd say mm -hmm. i guess looking back on our experience from this stage in life or at this point what kind of effect do you think it had on you positive negative um honestly i would say positive um as much as I did, you know, like, as you were saying, cry, like, during the lessons, because, you know, it's so stressful, and you're just a kid, all you want to do is, like, not do that, um, <laughs> sucks, because you're just doing school when you're not in school, pretty much, but, like, it did teach me a level of discipline, and how to manage my time, mm -hmm. um, and, you know, obviously, it did help me with math, um, the main goal of the program that I was doing, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, like I think overall I appreciate it. I understand why my parents did that to me. Um I think it sounds like we're in therapy. Yeah, it does. Um personally, like if I had kids, I would definitely put them in tutoring. Like I I definitely see a benefit. Um mm -hmm. again, being having been both a child in tutoring and looking back on it plus being even though a different type of tutor a tutor altogether I do believe in like the benefits that it has mm -hmm. what about you I uh I also think it had some um I think I have some positive things to take away from it I mean I really enjoy learning languages and things like that. And I mean, so growing up, there's definitely some things that I wish didn't happen. Mm -hmm. In my experience of Chinese school, generally, I will say that I'm, I am grateful for the opportunity to learn Mandarin mm -hmm. because it's a useful skill, which is why they put me in it. Mm -hmm. Since, I mean, Cantonese is also a useful skill. But I guess just because <clears throat> Mandarin is the number one language or like the official language of China, mm. it, knowing Mandarin can help me in in life in many ways, in, in work or in even just like social settings. Mm. And I mean, one thing that's kind of unfortunate is that a lot of other dialects are fading, such mm -hmm. as Cantonese. I mean, in, in, uh, in Guangzhou, more people are speaking Mandarin than Cantonese. I mean, even kids that are born there, like mm -hmm. my little cousin, she doesn't know how to speak Cantonese anymore. And she's, mm -hmm. I don't know, 12, 13. Mm -hmm. And so I, I'm grateful for, because I wouldn't know Mandarin without Chinese school. Mm -hmm. I, and I mean, maybe I, I, I could, possibly feel differently if I went somewhere else I think just because the place I went to was a little I don't want to say laid back but because you know that it, like I said for the most part the teachers there didn't try as much mm -hmm. and so it was a, I, a more laid back place and I mm -hmm. and I mean I made some I made some child I have friends that I still talk to from there like we're childhood mm -hmm. friends because I mean since it, it was a since it was a a smaller place there was basically only one class for every grade mm -hmm. 
mm. for one or two classes for every grade. And so you're all in the same class every year and you kind of grow up together. Yeah. For and sure. so I, ha- I have these I have these really close friends of mine from Chinese school. You know, we have like a Chinese school group chat or we just talk, hang out. And so that's a part of my life I wouldn't want to have not existed. Mm-hmm. Although a funny thing a lot of people say about Chinese school is uh, most people that go to Chinese school don't come out of it knowing Chinese. Oh. <laughs> nice especially especially the one I went to I would assume just because like I said it was more laid back and you know all the kids know how to speak English and you guys speak English mm. with each other mm. in the same way that here in Canada you're required to learn French but then I, did anyone really know French after mm-hmm. that's true um, unless you were put in a more rigorous program or you grow up and you have francophone people that you can talk to mm. I there's this like joke in my friend group that I was the only one that learned Chinese there because some of my friends they already grew up in Mandarin speaking families so they knew mm-hmm. they kind of knew a little bit of Mandarin and so they were just kind of there they were just they were just kind of at school to, to chill mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah I uh I don't plan I mean yeah, I don't. I don't exactly plan on. Uh, I don't like. I, I don't think I will have kids. Maybe that will change. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't have. I don't think I'm gonna have anyone to put into tutoring. Mm. But I can see the benefits of it. Mm-hmm. I would, if I if I were to, I would definitely choose carefully. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I, yeah, I would I would say that wraps up my response. <laughs> well, for those of you listening, let us know how you feel about Asian tutoring. I like, think we also so I I think I guess everyone or a lot of people that have gone through Asian tutoring regardless of the amount of trauma, they do recognize that in a way in a way it benefits them to learn a skill. Yeah. But I I do think something needs to be changed about the culture of oh yeah. Of Asian tutoring. Cause I mean yes, you and I both say that like, oh we we learned something, you know, positive looking back, but there definitely does need to be a change. Hmm. Because you you don't have to force I th- I think the forcing part can be really rough. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, that's I something think... I want. I just wanted to bring that up. Mm-hmm. That's also some. That's it's good that you bring that up because again, as a tutor now, that is something that the place that I work for, that's our main thing is that we're looking for students who want to get better on their own, mm-hmm. um, and having taught or tutored with this company or this organization I I should say um you really can tell the difference when you teach kids who want to learn versus kids who don't Mm -hmm. and the kids that made the most gains the kids who learned the most 
who had the most progress were the kids who were there because they wanted to be there. Right. So as much as Asian style tutoring was beneficial, if you aren't feeling motivated and you don't have that internal drive, you can only go so far. Mm-hmm. And then in Asia, I, I think there definitely needs to be a change. I don't think kids should be spending so many hours. Oh, for sure. I they they're just burning out mm-hmm. so like so soon. But again, that is like a whole cultural aspect that mm-hmm. I don't know how we change that. I, I don't know. You can't. It has to be a gradual over time. Yeah. Which sucks. Maybe one maybe one day. Mm-hmm. Maybe never. I don't know. Not to sound negative, but you know. It is what it is right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let us know how you guys feel, what your experiences were. I guess that brings us to the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. As always, thank you for tuning in. And we have sprinkled this across the episode, but let, let us know your experience, Asian tutoring, mm-hmm. how you look back on it. Do you look back on it fondly at all? Do you, I mean, tell tell us any wild stories. Did you have an umbrage? Mm. I think I'm going to be thinking about that. <laughs> you brought up your own today. Song. Yeah, I'm going to be thinking about that today mm. now. <laughs> I completely forgot about her. <laughs> Repressed memory. And, oh, let us know what you did. I mean... What kind of classes were you put into? Mm. What did you learn? Did you were you, did you only go to one? Did were you put in many? Were you because I know some people that went to for uh, for instance they went to Japanese school, but the thing is, not only did they learn Japanese, but they were also learning school subjects, but in Japanese. Mm. So science. History, English, mm-hmm. things like that. So let us know if you did that. Yeah, that's a whole what other. Was it, what was it like? And if you're from mainland Asia, let us know how that's going. <laughs> <laughs> or if you have friends, family growing up in mainland Asia, going through the the process. Of because I've had a lot of conversations with people that grew up in, in like, let's say China mm-hmm. and how their whole school experience was like. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty exciting. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, I, like I said, I have my little cousin and relatives. So, let us know. Maybe if you experience both. Exactly. What, what if you move down at some point? Like, what if you immigrated? That let us know the culture shock. Mm. We want to know. Pardon? We want to know. Oh, we do. We do. And we'll give you a virtual.
guys liked this episode and want to stay connected with us, check out our website in the description. It contains links to our streaming platforms such as Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and more. Follow us for more behind-the-scenes content, announcements, and other random things we decide to put on there.